Kia from your Every Nation Southside family here in Papatoitoi, Auckland. You are now listening to a podcast from our church service and we pray that you will be blessed by it. For more information, please visit our Facebook page or feel free to contact our church office. Today I'm going to be sharing some things um, and, and I hope it really opens our heart Okay, this morning. Uh, it sure, surely did for me as I, I prepared uh, this word for today. And you know, we, we begin this three-week sermon series where I believe this series, God will challenge us to make shifts in, in some of the things He wants us to grow and, and expand in our lives for His kingdom for 2019, 2019, right? It's like to touch heaven and, and, and to change this world that we live in. You know, Jesus taught us to pray in, in, in Matthew chapter 6. He says, this then is how you and I should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. In this next part, he says, your kingdom, your kingdom up in heaven, your kingdom come. Your will be done, which is in heaven. Your will be done on earth, just like you do back at home in heaven. And so God wants us to, to make changes so we can impact and to open the opportunity to, to tell people that it's all because of Him and His purpose for our lives on this earth. You know, many people may want to follow something that, that has realness to it. I think we all do, right? When I mean by that, the realness, we want to follow people that are honest, that tell the truth, that we can trust. Even companies that you may work for that deliver what they are selling, that they deliver. You know, Christians, even Christians for us that are, that are honest, right? Honest and living up to what they say and what they believe. And so I'm so thankful, right, for our eldership and our leadership uh, team that we were able to agree on just this past break to have, have three Sundays off uh, during our holidays this year. I'm so grateful. Three Sundays off, why? For me to, to freshen up and, and recuperate and, and sit back and think about my life, my family, my job here in the ministry, my health, my studies, my finances, all those things. I always want to come back to church refreshed. I want to come back refreshed to go again every year. That's how I feel. And so I can give my best to God, my best to my wife and my children, to this job and the calling as a pastor in this church. And the majority of now five years in full time here in Every Nation Southside, majority of it is spent, think about this, my time. Majority of my time is spent doing the same thing every week. And what is that? I preach on a Sunday. And then I meet people for discipleship meetings during the week and different, different sort of meetings, you know, on different days during the week. And then I come back and then I prepare my sermon again for Sunday. And then I come back on a Sunday morning and I preach again. Week in and week out. That's pretty much what I do. One thing I always have to remind myself, right, is that if I'm going to do this thing over and over, which is pretty much study, preach, study, preach, study, preach. I have to remember that I can't get too familiar with it to the point that I forget about looking after myself 
because I'm so caught up trying to look after everyone else. People might find it weird, right? And I said it earlier on, to take time off during the holidays in the way that we did as a church. You know, we closed down for three weeks, and, and that may have been really unusual for some of you, and even some of the people that you shared with that don't come to our church. But for me, it wasn't a problem, not at all. <laughs> because I know that if I'm going to do a good job every year, then, a better, then, then I better rest well to come back refreshed and strong again for you. Why am I sharing this? Well, I want to make, make us aware that this year as a church, you and I, we're going to experience change. Something different in your life. It's a paradigm shift. And our church staff, we're not, even us as a staff, we're not trying to come up with more ideas to try and be cool or create more work for you all. You know, this new hip church that is doing things differently out here in Southside for 2019. The whole purpose is so we can become stronger and advancing God's kingdom to those that don't know him out here in South Auckland. Not only advancing his kingdom, right? But, but my heart, my heart is to see you all walk through your challenges this year. And you will face them. And through those challenges, you will understand that it requires a paradigm shift in your life. You know, three Sundays off from, from church, was, it was so helpful. It was helpful for my heart, for my mind, for my soul, for my spirit. I had time, you know, I had time spending and learning to love God in a fresh way. Again, with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm thankful for our church that this, for this time off, for all of us, it was a time of rest to be with loved ones and just to enjoy, just to really enjoy the holiday. And many of you may be back to work tomorrow, I'm not too sure. Some of you had probably just worked straight through. But those that are going back to work tomorrow or just started, you must be dreading it, right? It's like, oh man, back to routine. And I want to encourage you today that as you get back into the swing, just of your usual work, your usual routine like mine, there is a paradigm shift that God is drawing your attention towards this year for your life. Now, there's this quote here from uh, Pastor Tim Keller. This is what he says, To follow Jesus as a disciple, it's a complete paradigm shift, not just an added ornament or an otherwise normal life. It's a new way of life because it's a new way of seeing, a new way of thinking, and a new way of being. A paradigm shift, right, in Christ. A paradigm shift in Christ is it's, it's not living our lives the same as last year. A paradigm shift in Christ should make us lead our lives differently from last year. You know, ever since we have been doing these Sundays, closing down during the, the Christmas holidays, I come back more refreshed, as I say, and I'm ready to be with you all. I don't want to lead the same every time I come back, every year. I don't want to lead the same. And I hope you see that in my life as I've been pastoring. I hope I've been an example for you to follow. I, I, I want to lead different. I want to live different. I want to teach different. I want to disciple different. 
I want to have this paradigm shift. A paradigm shift in Christ, it should help reshape our lives and rethink what our faith in Him is all about. When I think of the New Year resolutions, right, many of us, I mean, come on, man, we do all those New Year resolutions. Because why? You want to change old or bad habits into new and good ones. But a paradigm shift, it's, it's like a deep conviction behind the change. And it's a purpose for that change. The problem many of us will face when making a paradigm shift in Christ for your life is that you have to make changes to your life. Let me make this a little clearer through some examples, right? During, during Jesus' ministry, there's this one time, right, during Jesus' ministry, he heals this man's hand, and, and there's these religious leaders that are watching him, and they're accusing Jesus for breaking the law because he healed this hand on the day of rest. They call it the Sabbath day. And it was a day where, you know, you, you're not supposed to work. But Jesus, he just heals this guy and his hand on this day of rest, and that breaks the law, the tradition of these religious leaders. Now, these religious leaders, they are so angry at Jesus for doing this because they broke, he broke their laws, and this is what they say to him at the time. This is what they say. Um, you know, they, they've accused him, and they're saying, man, why have you done this? Who are you to do such a thing on, on, our, on our day of rest? But Jesus, this is what he says he, in, in uh, Mark 3, 5. Jesus, he looks around at these men, these religious leaders, and he looks in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn, hardened hearts. Another, another example. You know, there's a time we read about Jesus, and he's hanging out with the disciples, right? And, and they break a traditional, this traditional law um, by, by not washing their hands before they eat. I mean, I guess it's just normal. You should always wash your hands before you eat, right? But there's a lot of things behind this certain law of washing your hands before you eat. Yet these religious leaders, they see the disciples, they just come in and eat without washing their hands with Jesus. And once again, this is what they say in Mark 7, uh, chap uh, Mark chapter 7, verse 5. They say to him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And Jesus said to them, well, you know, there's a prophecy of you hypocrites, <laughs> what you're talking about right now. In Isaiah, it says this, the people, this people, honor me with, your, with their lips, meaning he was pointing to these religious leaders. These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. The religious leaders knew all the answers, right, in their minds about God. They had this, you can call it intellectual faith. They knew what words meant in their laws, but it was all based off their intellect. It was the things they studied, and so they knew more about teaching the laws. The religious leaders were drawn and fascinated by what was happening in the mind and the way they thought. But, you know, the, the thing is, they neglected what was happening in their hearts. They knew so much about the laws and the rules and the traditions of God but they found it hard to apply those laws and rules to the way they lived. And let's be honest. 
Many of us, when it comes to obeying the Word of God, we all begin to take that information, right, that we've learned about what, what this part of obedience that God is telling us to obey, and we begin to process it in our minds, and then, you know, you begin to argue or you begin to disagree with, with what Scripture may say, and at times you choose not to follow what it says. Yet, if we go deeper in the way we're thinking, it's just a heart issue. That's what it is. And we choose not to obey because it's something that challenges us to change the way we think or do things. It requires a paradigm shift. And it's easy for any of us to find a verse from the Bible, memorize it, right? But if there is no heart transformation of that information, you're just a sinner that is smarter than the person next to you. Please, this message of a paradigm shift in Christ is not just to hit those that are not following Christ as well in the way that you should be. Because this paradigm shift in Christ, it actually refers even to some of us sitting here that are so fire on God and love Him as well. You see, it's easy for me to share about these religious leaders, right? Who seemed and looked like they have it together on the outside in front of the common people and use them as examples of how not to follow. But even, get this, even the disciples, the disciples of Christ had hardened hearts too. The story of Jesus, right? Where he feeds the 5,000 people. And after that, he saves the disciples because they're out in the water on their boat, crossing, crossing the sea. And the water was rough. Jesus wasn't in the boat, though. He's making his way across by walking on the water. <laughs> this miracle. And so Jesus, as he's walking on the water, he sees that the disciples are in trouble in their boat. And so he does another miracle. He walks over to them while he's walking on the water, hops into the boat, and he calms the sea, and he calms the winds and the waves. And this is what Mark writes, right? This is what he writes in the gospel during that incident. In Mark 6, chapter uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 52. Jesus, he climbs into the boat with them, and the wind dies down. They were, the, the 12 disciples, they were completely amazed. And verse 52 says, for they had not understood because their hearts were hardened. Our very own disciples. Now you may sit here and say, yeah, but I don't get what's happening there. I'll come to it. Our very own disciples, the ones that you and I, we look up to as followers of Christ, even they had hardened hearts. And let me just make myself clear, both the religious leaders and the disciples of Jesus had the information, but they didn't have transformation. They knew about God, but it wasn't enough to make them change. They needed a paradigm shift in Christ. And so the religious leaders, they were, they were too busy being jealous that they, you know, that they never stepped, yet they never stepped back to listen to what Jesus was saying that could have actually helped them shift and change their paradigm of, think, of thinking and potentially transforming their lives. Even the disciples, the disciples, you know, they were too busy 
be um, having this pride, this pride walking around with Jesus because they knew who Jesus was. They knew in their minds. They knew Jesus as the one that had finally come to redeem the Israelites back into victory and bring a war that would kill their enemies and take back the throne like the times of David. That's what these disciples thought. A paradigm. And, and so while the disciples were busy thinking in this proud way, right, they never stepped back to listen to what Jesus was actually trying to tell them all along. That they too could have changed and made this paradigm shift of thinking. And again, for them, potentially, they could have transformed their lives as well. A paradigm shift in Christ will change you from the inside out and transform you to never be the same person like you were last year. Whether your relationship in Jesus is not great, that great right now, or if your walk in Christ is on top of the world. We learn today from both the religious leaders and the disciples, they, are all, they all had hardened hearts. And so what, does Je- what was Jesus trying to get across to both these parties and also to us here today? Jesus, I mean, he was saying, do you not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Let me say this. It's not about the information. It's about transformation. If Jesus was teaching us, right, to follow our head knowledge about him, the intellectual faith, then those religious leaders in the Bible that we read, they'd be sitting right next to Jesus right now. Yet Jesus, throughout his ministry, is taking, man, he's taking these religious, educated leaders, right? And he's taking them to school with just his, his knowledge that he had growing up. And at the same time, he's challenging the disciples and the common people and the poor people that he's around and that every single one of them have a heart problem and they needed to change too. He didn't leave anyone out. That's what the gospel of Jesus was all about. A paradigm shift in him. Knowing about God, this head knowledge, that was just the beginning though. I mean, think about it. All these religious leaders, right, and the disciples, they were there with Jesus. So they saw the gospel happen in front of them. What do I mean by this? They saw physically, they saw Jesus getting arrested. They saw him being crucified. They saw him being buried. They saw him rise from the dead. But even with them, all the seeing that happened, they still didn't believe. It wasn't because they lacked information. They saw everything with their own eyes. The problem why they were afraid to share about Jesus was because they lacked transformation. Even at the end of the story, right, according to Mark, his gospel, and we've been looking at the whole gospel of Mark today, this is what he writes in Chapter 16, verse 14. He says, and afterward, Jesus, he appears to the disciples, This is when he's risen again, he's come, you know, and and now he's walking in the flesh. Afterward, Jesus appeared to the disciples as they were sitting at the table at home. He turns up and he says, and he rebukes them for what? 
He rebukes them for their unbelief and their hardness of heart because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. Man, these were Jesus' disciples. They walked and they learned from Jesus for over three years of his ministry life. They prayed with him. They ate with him. They learned from his preaching in the community. They served alongside him with the poor and to the poor. They watched him take, you know, those religious leaders to school and educating them with, with his, you know, from their own laws. They learned theology from him. They were surrounded with the perfect combination of what would you, I mean, what we would make a perfect follower of Jesus. The right surroundings with godly friends, the right theology, the right mentor, the right information. But still, having had all that, they didn't get it. And Jesus, after rising from the dead, even makes it clear to them that they missed it. You have hard hearts, still. They never realized to step back and to consider what they were hearing and learning. A paradigm shift for their lives. That's what I'm asking you to do today as I speak, to take a step back on what I'm sharing. He rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. And, and that's pretty much how get the, the book of Mark, right? That's how it ends, the gospel of Mark, by calling those very loyal disciples of Jesus having hard hearts. And I think that's a sad and an embarrassing way to end a story of great men that followed Jesus for three years and then end up being put down about the way they followed him. But then I think about our lives as, as Christ followers. Many of us here. And I ask myself this question. Do you think it would be possible to be around the things of God or to be associated with the things of God or even have the knowledge of the things of God an intellectual faith in Christ but still have a hard heart? The answer to that question is yes. <laughs> Come to think of it, and to be honest with you, I keep coming, I want to come back to this. If it wasn't for these three Sunday breaks that we have during our New Zealand holiday of a summer Christmas every year, or if it, if it wasn't for when I get the opportunity of having a week or two off during the year with my family, where most times we try our hardest to save up money to travel and get out of New Zealand to try and get overseas to have a rest from doing the ministry job here. Things like that, if it wasn't for those kind of times of having some true rest from pastoring this church, I can imagine how my heart could become hardened against God's work and then see it naturally seep through the way I do church. I never want to be a person that gives God half-hearted loyalty or commitment. Yes, I'm a sinner, but I'm going to go hard for him. Not lukewarm. 
And that's a journey that you have to walk through and learn in your life. Because if that happens, right, it begins to seep through the way I live and how I love my wife and my kids. It begins to seep through the way I disciple others. It begins to seep through what I share, share up here on the pulpit. You know, you come back to that whole New Year's resolution sort of ideas. And um, a New Year's resolution might, might be to read your Bible more. But a paradigm shift in Christ can be almost like just reading a verse, spending time and learning what that verse means to you and what you sent God telling you to change this year for your life. Yeah, but I need to read the whole book of Genesis by the end of February. Information, man. Will it transform you? A New Year's resolution, I mean, the most famous one might be to go to the gym and lose weight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And a paradigm shift in Christ is slowly changing a few things. I don't know, things you eat to create a healthy life. Why? For a purpose, to live and to teach and to reach the next generation that have no hope in themselves. A New Year's resolution might be to save money, to have better financial stability. That's a good thing. Yet a paradigm shift in Christ is putting your money towards God's causes for the sake of learning, hear me now, for the sake of learning what true faith and trusting Him really feels like and looks like when you are in hard financial times. I mean, okay, just with some of those examples, right? Many of us sitting in here may, may be hearing what I'm saying, and straight away you go to the biblical thoughts that you have in your mind to try and counter what I've just shared. I don't know, maybe it's the people that are not here. So let's talk about those people that are thinking like that. You know, you may have the intellectual faith working over time right now with some of those examples I've just shared. You may be putting a, a biblical argument to let your mind tell you that what Ta'ulu is saying is not scripture and has no theology and his theology is whack. <laughs> and if you're thinking that, then that's okay with me because you're entitled to your opinion. <laughs> You know, as a pastor, for five years now, full-time, it is so easy to be performance-driven in this ministry. I am up here in front most of the year for at least 70% or 80% of the time speaking to you all throughout the whole year. And one of the main things, right, I need to do, if I'm up here most Sundays, right, in a year, then I need to make sure that I get better and better at the way I deliver the Word of God. And so I have to do that by what? I have to do it by studying the Word and trying to find as many examples and life stories that I can share and hope that I don't run out of stories, 
I have to make sure my theology, the theology is in sync to as many, if not all, of you sitting here every Sunday morning. I have to try figure ways to make you laugh, to be engaged, to be purpose-driven from my messages. All these things I have to deliver as a performance so it keeps you excited. This stage, where I'm right now, this stage is built for performance. It's so people can stand up here and do their thing so everyone that is sitting in the seats can watch and be entertained. But let me say this. All types of information is given from the stage. But the interesting thing about it all is that transformation doesn't happen on the stage. My performance up here on stage, it may captivate many people today or in the past when I've shared, but listen, wouldn't it be a scary thing if that's all it was? A performing speaker saying all the right things, praying the right words, acting the right way in front of you. But none of these things I say or I perform up here for you were true to the way I lived off stage. A paradigm shift in the way you see Christ is the only thing that keeps you away from being a performance-driven follower of Jesus. And we can learn from the religious leaders. Why? Because we have the tendency to face many of God's word with our intellect, with our mind, with our thoughts, and, and not what's being challenged to humble us in our hearts. We can learn from the disciples. Why? Because you and I, we have the tendency to be the Christian that has it all together. We turn up to church with the right words and the prayers to say in front of all our other fellow Christians. And still, you can have a hardened heart towards the things Jesus is wanting you to obey. Man, a paradigm shift in Christ. It will change your life. A life, I, I guarantee it, you will be transformed. I promise you, I know this for a fact because it has happened to me. However, it just won't be in a way that you think it will be. <laughs> the information, right, that you have in your head right now about the amazing things, uh, a paradigm shift in Christ will bring for you in 2019. You have no idea what that fully looks like. But a paradigm shift in Christ will make you step out in faith, take those risks, and you will push through. Why? Because a transformed heart is what you and I are going to have this year. A transformed heart that is no longer a hardened one. Only a true life in Christ can do that for you and I. A relationship in Him that requires the life of a sinner which is all of us in the room, so I feel comfortable and I feel secure, to be willing to fight the good fight, to get up and to fight again and again and again 
and again, and so on. This is the paradigm shift God is calling you and I to. You know, I shared earlier on about my full-time vocation as a minister. That it's the same thing I do every week. I preach on Sunday. I meet people for discipling. You know, discipleship during the week on, on just on different days. I prepare my sermon. And then I preach again on Sunday. Week in, week out. That's pretty much what I do. How easy is it for me to get tired and bored of my life if I begin having a hardened heart because of this mundane routine? What about you? You wake up, you go to school, same old routine every day. You come home and do the same thing the next day. Soon enough, you graduate from whatever studies you do. You go out and you get a job, and now you clock in whatever time you start, 9 a.m., and then you clock out at 5 p.m. You go home and you get ready to repeat the same thing tomorrow. You then get married, maybe, and you have children, and you buy a car or two. You get a house. You finally made it. Success in life, and you live your life doing the same thing Every day after that. Because <laughs> you come back home and same routine the next day. Life gets busy to the point where life gets in the way of God's passion you once had for him. I understand what that feels like. <laughs> and we can't commit as much to, to the family life of church because our lives, our lives come first. I get that feeling. I understand it. I really do. God is calling me, and I believe He's calling you to make a paradigm shift in Christ for 2019. And I sense God's word for us today is trying, it's trying to waken you and I to get outside of our intellectual faith on some of the things that we've been having to wrestle or argue or complain or not obey, this intellectual faith and make a change for him, a transformation. So where can we begin to move into a paradigm shift for our lives? One way, let me answer that question for you by reading what Jesus said after rebuking the disciples. Remember, he rebuked them when they didn't believe. You had a hard heart. Here I am, I'm risen again, but your hearts are still hard. Let me read this. It was chapter 16. It was verse uh, seven, uh, 15, sorry, but let me read it, verse 14. After Jesus appeared to the disciples, after his resurrection, as they were sitting at the table, he rebuked them for their unbelief and their hardened hearts because they did not believe those who saw him after he was risen. But this is what he says next. And Jesus said to them, though, go into the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. The key to a paradigm shift in Christ is to think about others and not yourself. It's about caring for people. It's about loving people. It's about walking with people. It's about praying for people. It's about reaching out to people. It's about discipling people. It's when we start thinking like this, where the gospel of Jesus gets an open door for you to finally share about it 
Only then will you really understand why God wants us to make a paradigm shift in him. The gospel of Jesus, it was spread throughout the world because the disciples and, you know, certain religious leaders, they made their own personal paradigm shifts that cost them a lot. You know, and in this next few weeks, as I finish here, we'll get to learn more about the disciples and how they transformed from this idea of a paradigm shift in Christ And until then, as we share in these next couple of weeks, what is God challenging you to change for 2019? And that's my heart. That's what I was challenged with, studying this word. I always have to make sure, hand on heart, that every time I prepare a message, that it's talking to me first. I never want to be up here telling you what to do. I hope every time it comes out that it may sound like what I'm telling you what to do, it's because I'm doing it as well. And there's a paradigm shift in all of us that God is requiring us in different levels in our walk with Him this morning. But what a good place to start, the beginning of this year. Don't you think? I mean, you're going to do your New Year's resolutions, Around the world, the statistics of New Year's resolutions, the top um, New Year's resolution is to lose weight. But then in statistics, it says by February, 80% drop off. And they stop doing their New Year's resolution. Let's not do these New Year's resolutions. Let's do a paradigm shift in Christ. Those very things that you have that you want to do in the new year, Go to God and ask, how do I do this, Lord? I want to lose weight. How do I do this? What's the purpose of it? Why? Or I want to read the whole Bible this whole year. Go back and ask, Lord, why? Why do I want to read the Bible this whole year? How will it impact me the way that I read it? Lord, I want to do better and and, and be more friendly with people. How do I do that? Because it's easy to say it, and still not like them. The paradigm shift. See how it challenges you to change. And that change means obedience. That's the hard part. But I know you can do it. Because we're all here. We want to change. Otherwise, it's a waste of time. We love God. We love Christ in our life. No matter where you are at in your life, you are walking a journey with Christ. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. And you may think, yeah, but I do this and do this. I'm a sinner. Ooh, I, I stuff up here all the time. I mean, I'm like this at church, but I'm not like this when I'm outside. I have this performance mentality when I turn up. Let's treat this whole church as a stage. I perform on this stage every Sunday. But off stage, I'm a different person. Would you be willing not to be like that this year? in little places of your life. Not a huge change. You can't change things overnight. But what has God shown to work on in this little time that you have? Father, we thank you for your word.